0: Lord, thank you. Thank you for the body of Christ, like all the different pieces working together. If we would have eyes to see it every time we get together, it's so amazing. So I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done. We give you this time to just read through the story you laid out in Acts 10 and apply that to our lives, that we would, might just continue to grow. Lead us, Lord. Help me get out of the way. Let your voice be heard. Amen. We, on, on our Sunday gatherings, we've been going through Acts, or I'm sorry, Acts, we've been going through the book of John. If I could speak right, right. Thanks for thanks for correcting We've going, been going through the book of John, but today, in preparation for, for our prayer encounter tonight, uh, we're taking a field trip to Acts 10. So grab your Bibles if you have one. If not, you know you can look on your app, or there's, there's a, a Bible in the seat in front of you with extremely small print, so you can challenge your eyes. It's good for you. It's exercise. And we're going to... I know. Listen, listen to this, okay? So you're going to... Just breathe a second, okay? Take a breath with me, in and out. And we're going to read all of Acts chapter 10, okay? Okay, so, so I need you to see this story and then to apply that. So follow me there, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God, with all his household. Wait a second, okay? This guy was a centurion, which made him what? Was he a Jew? No. Okay, but, but he's been living amongst the Jews. And somewhere along the way, we don't know exactly how, he's come to know the God of Israel, right? The one true God. And so, apparently him and his whole household, and of course all the people that, that he's leading, it says that they feared God and gave alms, what's that, those, those what does that mean, it was an alm, if you're new here, you got to help me out, I'm not a very good preacher, so I need your help, I want you to speak out, what, what is it, contributions, yeah, yeah, so they're generous, they're giving, um, they're, they're giving generously to the people, and praying continually to God, about the ninth hour of the day, what time is that, ninth hour? So, yeah, so if you, uh, if you look at the uh, Roman, right, the Roman time frame, they're going to look at, that's going to be one time. You look at the Jewish time frame. But most likely what they're talking about here is nine hours, which would be 3 o'clock. Um, nine hours from, depends on whether you want to go from midnight or 6 a.m. So if it's nine hours from 6 a.m., then you've got 3 o'clock. If it's nine hours from midnight... Then it's 9 a.m. But most likely the way that this story goes, it looks like it's probably 3 o'clock. So about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say, Cornelius. And he stared at him with terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called the two servants and a devout soldier from among them, those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now verse 9 says the next day. From what I can gather, the distance between Caesarea to Joppa was, it looks like it was traveled in two days, and and so it looks like it was probably 30 miles, most people think, right? So they traveled over, they traveled, and it took more than a day to get there. There was a second day. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop at about the sixth hour to pray. And so that would be about noon. And he became hungry and wanted to eat something. Do you guys know that, that feeling? It's going to start happening soon. Feel that hunger? Okay, so he went up there to try to pray, became hungry, wanted something to eat, but while they, they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. So you guys picture on this? Use your imagination, a big sheet, four All the animals, including birds, apparently hanging out on the sheet. Verse 13, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once in heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at, the, excuse me, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, "Behold, three men are looking for you." Okay, so if I take a breath there. They've traveled overnight, they went to Joppa, and they're like, you guys know uh, Simon, who's called Peter? And do you know Peter? He lives by the ocean, apparently he's a tanner. They find their way there, which is always interesting to hear these stories. And and now, now Peter gets this vision and this voice saying, there's three guys are looking for you. Verse 20, rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man. All right, that doesn't sound, that sounds very counter to the way that Peter would think about that, right? Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well-spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day, you catch that? They stayed overnight, right? When we're, losing those, when we're reading a story, we can lose the time frame. So they show up. Remember noon, he's hungry, he has a vision. They show up, they stay the night. They're talking, getting to know each other. The next day, he rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Jop- Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea, right? They took a couple days to get back. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Okay, he's got his relatives and close friends. Guys, no cell phones. They don't know when they're coming back, right? Okay. So all the families together, you guys remember that? Kind of the, maybe, maybe you had a party where you just weren't sure when they were going to show up. So you had to be like ready the entire day and you're like, oh, man, I sure hope they didn't get lost, someone got hurt, right? No cell phone, no phone, no email. And he was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Verse 25, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I too am a man. And he talked with him and he went in and found many Persons gathered, and he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. You guys doing okay? Okay. I asked then, Why you sent for me? So. Peter's like, guys, I'm not supposed to associate with you, right? I could get in big trouble, like, but God told me to come. Now, now tell me, why, why am I here? And Cornelius said four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I went, so I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you've been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. For Jesus was with him, and we are all witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear Not not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one anointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And breathe. You ready for this? This is the really good part. Check this out. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the heard word is not just... They were able to hear it auditorily, right? They they received it. They're like, oh. Right? And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God, right? Making God, like glorifying God, raising him up, making, talking about how good he is and what he's done. Then Peter declared, can anyone hold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Really cool thing just happened. Oh, my slide got weird. I apologize. But, so then when, when Peter leaves there, he's got to go back to all the, the church folk, right, in Jerusalem, and like, oh, man, I got to tell these guys what happened. I mean, why would that be dangerous? Because what? He wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. Yeah, because if, if they were unclean, right, in their, in their way of thinking, then what would happen to Peter if he was around them? He would have been made unclean. God would have been upset with him. But strangely, God showed up, right? So then he goes back. He, he, he rehashes the whole story, tells all the guys in Jerusalem, here's what happened. And then verse 15, I just want you to see the beginning, the end part of this. As I began to speak, the Holy, this is Peter talking, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptizes with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Cool story, Will, thanks. All of that, here's, here's the words of Peter as translated, right? Um, he said this, God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right, is acceptable to him. That was his takeaway. So why, why share this with you? I, I think there's, there's a lesson here, and I, I wish I could tell you exactly what it is. It's going to sound weird, right? Because I don't know where you're at, where your heart is, what your background is, but I think the Lord will continue to challenge us He'll continue to teach us, grow us, challenge us. And the life of someone who wants to follow Jesus, if you're in, if you want to do this, it's a self-examined life. Not only a self-examined life, but a Holy Spirit-examined life. So you, you look at, Jesus told Zacchaeus this. And it really echoes what Peter's takeaway was. He told Zacchaeus, remember Zacchaeus was the wee little man, right? You remember the song? You know that. Okay, so Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he said the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The lost has got a bad connotation. The truth is, it's probably me, it's probably the plate, it's the plate in my head or something, I don't know. Okay, the the point here is each one of us, we lose our way. We do. And when Jesus came, he wanted to do a few things. He wanted to speak truth to you and I, and he wanted to love us. And that's my job. I, I want to share truth with you from the love of my heart that comes from God. And so I know that Jesus came and he wanted to say, you got you to gotta stop a second, humble yourself, and understand that one of the things Jesus came to do was to seek those, to find those who, who have lost their way or are confused or misunderstand or who are struggling. That's, I think that's good news. So then, let me ask you this question. Back to the story. Peter on the rooftop. Help me, let, let's help each other understand. Why did the vision on the rooftop challenge Peter so much? Let's talk about that. What about over here? What do you guys think? Why? Why was that so challenging? What is it? It was against the law. He had like rules and ways of acting, and this was counter to that. Yeah. It changed his thinking. Yeah. What else? It went against religion. So what was wrong with this thinking? What is it? Narrow. Putting God in a box. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, what what she said here is just that it it tells us that Jesus came to his own people, the Jews, but they didn't receive him. They didn't know that he was God. They didn't accept him. They didn't receive him. And so this good news, this this salvation, became available to all people as God had planned initially, yeah. But do you see that with the Jews? Part of the problem at this point in time, even though Jesus had come uh, and he was a Jew... All those who followed him at this point, for the most part, I mean, you see the people in the Jewish world, right? Like Cornelius and some of them, that that would follow him. But they weren't accepted by the church. The only people that could be accepted by the church looked a certain way, talked a certain way, acted a certain way, came from a certain background. Right? And imagine if it never went beyond that. And they argued about this a lot. Would someone have to come be a Jew first before they could follow Jesus? And so this is challenging because there's a lot of things here. Even with this, it's like, okay, what you eat, right? Like, Peter's like, I can't eat that. It's unclean my whole life. My mom didn't make that for me when I became an adult. I wouldn't eat that either. That's what the Gentiles, if I eat that, if I do that, it's gonna come between me and God. And God's like, understand, like, what I've made pure, what I've made clean, How dare you call it unclean or unpure? So that's really challenging. I mean, his friends were only the people in his faith that looked the way he did, acted the way he did, behaved the way, you know, had certain beliefs and values and traditions. So then you take this revelation that God loved all people and anyone who would believe could receive Rescue. How would that challenge the church at the time? Wow. Yeah, I and mean, what kind of things did they wrestle with? If you remember from, if you've read that. And if you haven't, that's, that's, that's great. That's kind of why you're here too. But a couple things, the food, right? If you and I come from a different background, right? You ever, you ever gone to a different country and ate their food? How was your stomach at first? Right, um, you know, different uh, ways you act or, or behave, or what's what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, social norms. Right, everything can be kind of different. So, in the time of Jesus, a lot like now, within this one area, they had lots of different cultures. Right, there was different nations in one land. Welcome to America, tons of different nations in one land, the melting pot, if you will. Right. And we've taken some sort of, we've put a bunch of those and blended it, and we call it American culture, but it's still the influence of those. So how did that challenge the church? Well, oh, man. So many ways, I, that, that's not even necessarily the point. Let me go on to that. What about Peter's heart and mind needed to be changed? Let me ask you specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And to have, it opened up to everybody is God's people. That was so different from what they would, you know, grew up to know. So yeah. you know, to have that all changed, it must have been so confusing for him at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, so what what she's saying is that he grew up and he lived in a certain way. It's like only the Jews were God's people. So certain rules like God, they didn't eat this. See, no one can eat that. If you do, God's going to be mad at you right? Um, You have the Sabbath. You've got to keep this rule, this law. What about the people who've never received those laws and rules? What do I do with them, right? Like, can I talk to them? Yeah. Peer Peer pressure. Oh, that's a good one. Say more about that. Some bad, thoughts, maybe some bad comments because of what Yeah. That's what he's saying, the peer pressure right within the Jewish culture. I mean, that's, if you weren't allowed your entire life to associate with the people who weren't part of your culture, can you imagine how judgmental all your friends were? <laughs> right? Like, oh, do you see Corey talking to Billy over there? Oh man, he's going to be unclean. It's going to take like 12 mitzvahs to get take care of this thing right here, right? Like, Right. But can you, I've seen that, right? I've seen that in our, when I was in high school, it was like certain certain churches were like, we're the only church, and so even though I was a Christian, if those kids talked to me, you'd see their friends like, heaven forbid a girl talk to me from there, because that like, it must be, you know, something else, I mean, yeah, okay. okay. What else, what else could, use your imagination here, because I want to bring this to you But you are the church. This is not for me to get smarter so that I can download on you. This is so that the Lord can speak to us in our mind and our hearts, transform us. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I'm getting to the point here, and the point is we still have a problem. We're constantly reading in the New Testament, and we think they have a problem, and we've somehow arrived, right? We've been woke to something better and more true, but it's the same garbage because people are the same. So, what about Peter's mind and heart needed to change? Well, you guys have said it like, it's like he can't love somebody who's not a Jew. That could be a problem. He can't, uh, he can't, I can't eat this, so I can't really go to your house. It's unclean there. I have all this tradition. Well, what about, you know, Jesus? I'm going to heal this man on the Sabbath. You can't heal a man on the Sabbath. What? Would you rather me let him die or suffer and say, wait till tomorrow because today I can't? Was the Sabbath made for man or man for the Sabbath? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. before the Jews from uh, Jerusalem came. but then once they came, they decided to stay away from this. Um, and and, and what's the second to that is, Peter was told three times for the sheep, there must be something with Peter. Three. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll start with the second one. So one thing he said is, you notice it? He had, to, he had to tell him that in the vision three times, this Peter guy. And if you follow his story, that happens, right? Like three times he denies Christ. And then three times Christ has to say, do you love me, Peter? Yes, I do. And he says some sort of variety of feed my sheep. So something with that. And then the second thing, which I think is really important too, is this is an ongoing struggle, Okay. Why why I love that you brought that up, man, is this. Understand something supernatural happened on that rooftop. And if you want to believe in Jesus, you can't discount supernatural, okay? The Holy Spirit is powerful and he can do things in an instant. However, it's very common when you get some ground, there's always a challenge to that. There's always a take back. Like, well, like you told me, but I'm not so comfortable eating a pork chop with these guys. Right? So he said even later on you'll find in the scripture where, where they have to challenge Peter because when, when all his Jewish homies aren't there, he's hanging with the Gentiles and eating lunch. But then when the Jewish guys come in he's like ditches them to be all proper with his church friends. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Was it, was there a message in there about the food and what he could eat? Because after that, yeah, that's a very good question. But I think you're getting to. I think we're starting to think about that enough. Let me let me step forward. Okay, how about the church today? This is one of the reasons why I really want to tell you this. Now, our our churches churches have gotten very casual. Not all of them are as rigid as, as the Jewish church was at the time. But let me tell you a little bit about what's happening, okay? Now, if you're, if you're a 30, 40-year-old in America, okay, the rest of the world, it's a little bit different on that time frame. Here's what's very common. What's very common is your grandparents culturally went to a church. Okay? Your grandparents. So if you are like 75 to... Up, You might have grown up depending on which part of the country or world you went into. It was very cultural for you to go to a church on a Sunday. As a matter of fact, the communities around you closed up shop on Sundays to encourage you to do so. Is that a fair? Good. Because I'm not 75 plus, but this is what I read, okay, what I hear. Now what happened is, because we were doing the same things the Jews were doing, the church didn't work for a lot of people. So their kids... Right, who now 50, 60 years old, they, they went and they used to sit in these big metal or, these big metal or wood seats and they called them pews. Okay? And then they would go to Sunday school and then they go to big church. And in big church they had envelopes where you'd have to tell whether you read your Bible this week. And what mom would do, and dad is you know, in between smacking you, you could do that back then, to be quiet while some guy's reading from King James up front, you could draw little pictures on those envelopes. Okay? Now, by the time you got 18, you were like, this is stupid. I'm not going. Right? And actually, everyone's businesses stayed open, so they wanted you to work when you were like 19. So good luck being off Sunday morning if you were between the ages of 18 and 28. So you stopped going to church. Well, then, you know, you met a cute guy or a girl, and you, made a, you started a family together. And you still didn't take your kids to church. Now, some of those kids are in their 20s and they're having kids and their kids are going to have no idea what King James means or what a pew is or about big church. So what happens is we're, we are and increasingly we're in what they would call a post-church culture. You see, because the seven year olds 80-year-olds, they went there the whole life, a lot of them unless they left. Their 50-year-old kids only went till they were 18 Their 19, 20-year-old kids never went, and then these people's kids, they start to think that science is smarter than God, and so religious people are stupid. Now, but then here's what happens in the church. You pay a guy like me, you hope I get really smart, you hope we can make the sexiest music we can, that people will come in, be entertained, serve fancy coffee, so that the 20-year-olds will come back. Here's the problem. They've never been here. Do you see that? And if they simply read the Bible, it would make no sense what we're doing here. If I'm way off, challenge me. Please, because I want to speak truth to you. But that's what we're dealing with. And so what happens is, just like Peter, he would have said, that's great, God found you. I'm sure what happened is to Cornelius, he's like, okay, Cornelius, now let's get you into church. Let's have a circumcision party to start with. That'll be fun. Welcome to God's family. He's good. He's going to cut you where it really hurts, right? Like, right? Isn't that what we do? Oh, man, I got to get him there so Will can, like, save him. Will doesn't say, I'm an idiot. I can't save anybody right? So they did it then. Oh, you got to come be a Jew first. Let's get you into all the tradition, clean you up, right? No moss, bacon, right? No, no more for you. No good, man. No bacon. You're, you're like, wrong. Not about the bacon, okay? I don't know. That's a whole other sermon that we're not going to get into today. But, but do you see this? Do you kind of see it? Um, wow, what do we do? What do we do? So, does the church need a change of heart? And by the church, let me, let me define it. Technically, the church is the people, which are also called the body of Christ. Because since Jesus didn't come to our building today, it's up to you and me. In his power to be him to the world around us. So, we are the church. This place is an assembly of called-out ones, or people that Jesus have encountered, and so we're the ecclesia, or what we translate church. The Ridge is one of the buildings where the church meets. You start driving up and down the street, you'll keep running into a bunch of them, okay? But what do we do about this? How do you think, first of all, do we need a change of heart? Yeah. Yeah. We need to always be ready to share the hope. Yeah, to share the hope that's in your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's kind of what you're saying is it's, it's not just the, a professional's job, right? Like, we've done that. We've specialized in our culture. It's like, you, you, it's more expensive to change your own oil now, so you take it to a professional, right? Like, that's too much hassle to share the gospel, so we'll take you to a professional, right? Yeah. Yeah. that's where it gets tough yeah. like you said one church says for the old is what heaven for the eleventh is what heaven you bring it what are you all you are like for the you know what you do and you start thinking yeah no that's, that's a great and what, she brought up a problem like so let's say you bring somebody who's never had a a background any faith in God you know they don't know about the Bible or church and you start sharing the Bible with them depending on how you're sharing it um, they might see it as very, like, divisive or judgmental, and it might be hard for them to receive. Well, I, I do think that that's a, valid, that's a valid problem and a valid concern. Um, so you, one thing is, that's up to God, necessarily, about whether, whether a person's ready to have a relationship with them. But secondly, I think we're interpreting it wrong sometimes, okay? And that's what's happening here. We need a change of heart, And what we also have to change is this idea. If you caught yourself saying, oh, Lord, I wish we could just, like, they even do this, like, go back to church today. Go back to church day. October 2nd is go back to church day. Like, they never were in church. so They can't go back. Right? Like, oh, we need revival in the church. No, you need revival in the hearts of the people because they are the church. Here we need paint and cleaning probably, okay? The building itself is not the problem. We, We are the problem. Yeah, um, so that's great points. So we have to sort of like check ourselves because a lot of what you and I know about faith we got from people, not from God. So how about you and I? Do, do I or do you need a change of heart? Do we need a change of heart about what it means to be a Christ follower and join him on his mission? Let me say a little bit more about that question. What I really, what I'm, what I'm bringing to you is this. I like everyone here, whether, whether you've been to church and been hurt, or you don't ever go, or you go all the time. I really believe each one of us could benefit from asking God, like, wow, man, I need to, I need a fresh look a fresh take, a fresh understanding. I need you to change my heart. See, because I can try to convince you or speak to you or motivate you to do something, but I can't change your heart. That is the business of God in the Holy Spirit. But what I'm seeing is a a shortfall. I want to be part of the church moving more like Christ made it to be. Because if it is then even if they don't come to every gathering that we have, the church is out there making disciples, sharing the reason for their hope, the reason for their faith. Like, what the world needs to know is not about when you stand or sit or what song you sing or what version is the right... What they need to know is, okay, if I'm a parent, how do you parent with faith? If I'm a wife, what is it like to be a wife of faith that follows God or a husband or a grandma or an employee right? How do I handle uh, the the COVID crisis, right? How, How do I handle the vaccine? How do I, how do I handle, you know, my health deteriorating? How do I handle money? Like, how are other people doing that? But no one's talking to each other. We have this monologue about what it means to be a Christian that we learned in Sunday school, and then we try to tell it to the world who had no idea what Sunday school is. So that's the invitation, is that you and I, we would take a look at that. And I'm telling you, just like Peter, okay? Just like Peter, the more and more, uh, the more and more I I would say that you would walk with Christ, and and that happens with years too, right? You begin to see things as silly because your heart's changing. Okay? Uh, Fascinating, right, that doctors in 2000. 22, would probably agree with a lot of the Jewish dietary restrictions. Is that fair to say? Okay. So maybe God, he, he is so amazing that he does a thousand different things, but maybe if he said, don't eat the food this way or eat this food, it's because he knew it was good, what was good for you and bad for you. Possibly, okay. However, we all eat tons of stuff that's bad for us, right? So, like, to sit here and be so judgmental about the diet, Right? Like, that got in the way of people talking to other people about God. I know this is a very different sermon. It's not as touchy-feely and fun. but, But I can't motivate you to change your heart. I can't even motivate myself to change my heart. And what what usually happens now is you're like, what do I do? What do I do? That's not, you're three steps ahead. Here's why I say this. I am telling you, you could do something like, like give someone a million dollars and you could do it from a heart where God asked you to do that and it would be the best thing you could do. And you could do it just because you wanted to feel good and in principle you think you should do it and it could be the worst thing that you did. You could feed starving people with a good heart and it's exactly what God asked you to do. Or you could be hurting them because God didn't ask you to do that. Do you see that? So your heart is important. Your heart is core. It's where the center of you, the inner part of the person, why you do what you do, And as that changes, what you do will change. And that's what Peter had to wrestle with. So in the moment, a supernatural thing happened. But after that, he needed that discipleship and that kind of constant coming before God. And even his brother Paul being like, hey, Peter, I noticed you were eating with the Gentiles. As soon as the Jews showed up, you pretended you didn't know those guys. That's not okay. Oh, you're right. I fell back into my old habit. So, here's some things Jesus said in Matthew. He said, from that time, Jesus began preaching, repent. So change your mind and your direction, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's building a kingdom. That's one of the things that Jesus was up to. Secondly, he tells them, as we're building the kingdom, understand, anyone who wants to follow me would deny himself. This is not an easy thing. You have to deny yourself. It will sting. It will hurt. You will have to give up some things. You'll have to take up your cross daily, like constantly and follow me. But there's a great promise in that because anyone who gave up all their wants for Jesus would find life. Your life will look like this. Oh man, I got everything I had no idea I wanted. Right? And not a lot of the things I thought I wanted that were going to be bad for me. And then he said things like, okay, after he has been, been murdered, okay, and rose from the dead and made payment for all your sins, before he goes up to be with the Father, he's like, now I'm telling you guys, go therefore and do what I did with you to all the people, all the nations, not just in the churches, but everywhere that you go. And them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. Right? That's what Jesus is about. So what I want to do to end this time today is, is let me give you a couple. I don't want to send you on too much of a, a wild goose chase because Christians do lots of things because God's asked them to do. Right? right now, there's a nursery and preschool, okay? People are in there taking care, watching after people's young, young boys and girls so they can come in here. That's a great act of service. There's, there's people who are, are policemen because God's asked them to do that. They have businesses. They volunteer at food pantries and community pregnant centers. They teach at elementary schools and high schools. They, they stay at home with their kids. They, they clean houses Right? They work at the bank. They play music. They know how to fix computers. They do all the things that they do. They do for the name of, in the name of Jesus everywhere that they go. And in order for this, the kingdom to operate, you need God's people all over the place. So what's God asking you and I to do? Yeah, follow. But how do we know where to go if he doesn't tell us? Right, he has to tell us where to go and then we can follow him there. So that's what I'm inviting you to do. And maybe this is just not the sermon you need to hear right now. That is okay, I trust that. But what I want to see, if the group of people in here, if each one of you would would come before Jesus and actually follow where he leads you, it would be amazing to see what would happen in our lives. Not only that, the people around us. Okay? But if I tell you what to do, then you're going to go do it without God asking you to do it. Well, I guess I probably should, Randy. Go volunteer over here. Okay. Why? Oh, I don't know. And the second challenge is if all you do is you come into a church, here or somewhere else, and you're wondering uh, what's in it for you, I just challenge you to check your heart. I really would because... I mean, I I really want to pour in you and I pray the Holy Spirit pours in you. But the way that this works with God is, is as soon as he's pouring in you, he's using you. And I think we've made it way too huge serving God and following him. Some of the best stories of God working and the kingdom growing are at mailboxes. and coffee shops, and walks in neighborhoods, and at work, and moms with their kids, and husbands with their wives, and friends getting together. And no professional can do that for you. They can't walk your dogs and care about your neighbors. They can't go to your workplace and be a light. They, they can't be there for your kids or your parents or your, your spouse. They can't be on your, your sports team or or your club. So I, I want to invite the, the praise team to come back up. And they're going to play something quietly and we'll, we set this up from this time to time and, and it's often called communion or the Lord's Supper, depending on where you take that. Today, the command is every time that we do this, we do this in remembrance of Jesus. Today, what I want to put before you is this opportunity. Because what happened when this happened the first time, there he was at a table, right, with the, with the followers, with the disciples, and He was giving them something that they could do not only that night, but in many nights and days going forward, where they could come to the table again. And when they came to the table, He gave them two wonderful symbols, and one was, was wine or juice, in our case, and this represented His blood. And the amazing thing about His blood is, what does it do? It it washes our sins clean. So all the guilt and the shame that you feel, all the things that you've done wrong, like you can be washed white as snow. And so every time you come to that table with them and you're like, Lord, search my heart, you need to be reminded of this. Like the work is done. Jesus has washed your sins clean. What what about the bread? What is that? It's his body. What, what, What did his body do? What did his body do? It was broken, right? It was broken because sin required death, and, and someone had to die, and Jesus did that. So if you feel like hope is past for you, no wonder you can't tell anybody about the hope that you have. So before you do any of that, you've got to check your heart. Maybe today it has nothing to do with doing something. Maybe today what you need to do to check your heart is to really receive, like Cornelius and his house did, to really receive Jesus' love. And to know when you do that, when you take this, man, what if I was like, drink this and all your sins are washed away? And that's not what's happening, but that's the reminder, like, Jesus, you took my sins away. Thank you, Jesus. Your body broke for me. Your blood washed me clean. So they're gonna play I'm going to just, just pray to get you started. You're welcome to come on up and you can take it back with you to the seats. And I pray, I would invite you to have this encounter, this this opportunity where you can you can sit there and pray. And just think about what that means and how your life needs that that, that payment for your sin and that cleansing. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you've done. I pray that you would use those words, Lord, that long story about Peter that we would find ourselves with Peter with all the wrong beliefs that we have and the fear that we have. I pray that you would crash those down, Lord, that you would move in our hearts. So Jesus, I, I remember your body, which was broken for us so that our sin would be paid for. And your blood, which which then washed, clean all the residues of sin. And now we stand pure and white before God.